This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, of course, representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I took on a new foster dog this week, so I'm a little tired. <laughs> I, you know, you tell me these stories of uh, the garden, dog fostering. I'm just wondering how you have time to fit all this in. It's a great question. <laughs> but uh, good luck with your dog. I, you know, you. you it's... Uh, it's it's a calling, I think, to foster a dog. I, I would just want to keep them all. It's, yeah, this I don't is know the how problem. I've already failed once. I cannot <laughs> fail with this one. Roscoe's available for adoption. Freedom Ride. Everyone go check him out. I need him to go. <laughs> I need him to go. <laughs> well, uh, June is Alzheimer's month, and we are uh, going to have a, a program that's related to that. And uh, Nicole, we've got two wonderful guests that we're very excited to have on the program, and we're going to be talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce Vic Chandra. He is the CEO and founder of U Method Health. We also have on the line Nicole Bell, executive entrepreneur and author of What Lurks in the Woods. Vic and Nicole, thank you both so much for joining the show today. Our pleasure. Yes, thank you for having us. First, I'd like to start with Nicole. Um, I want to get the caregiver perspective going here and give some people some background that are listening to the show and hear a little bit about your story. Can you tell us about yourself and how you were introduced to caregiving? Yeah, sure. So I'm an engineer by training, and I've worked my entire career in high-tech devices, kind of startups, and bringing new products to market. And then as I you know, got up, grew older and had a family. Then I transitioned into balancing that career with being a mom. So I have Mm -hmm. two children. They're now um, ages eight and 11. And everything was uh, really going well for me. My husband was older than I was, and he was extremely compatible and really complementary to my skill sets. And he had decided to step back from his high-powered career. He was also kind of a startup executive. That was actually how we met. We worked in the same company. And he wanted to be Mr. Mom. And he was taking care of the house and taking care of the kids. And it was great. He said, it's your time to shine. You can focus on your career. And I was like, well, great. I can have it all, right? (laughs) But all of a sudden, he just all of the responsibilities that he started to have, that he had started to fail and just became more and more of a challenge. And his mood really turned and he became irritable and nasty. And, you know, I think when something like that happens, you, you tell yourself, stories about you rationalize and what's going on. And he, you know, I was like, well, he stepped back from his career and he isn't really happy with that. And there's a lot of challenges of young children and it's just not a fit. And we went to therapy, we tried to make a change, but none of it really helped. And we, you know, eventually I figured out that it was more than just mood instability and depression. He was starting to have memory lapses and Mm -hmm. he was forgetting very basic things. And he was one of the smartest people I had ever met. And he couldn't remember a five digit code for our house alarm, or he couldn't remember the time to pick up the kids, even though it was the same every day. 
And that was when I realized that there was something more sinister at play than, you know, just some mood changes. And we started going to doctors. And within six months, he was diagnosed not only as having early onset Alzheimer's disease, but the scans indicated that he actually had late stage disease. So I was just figuring out that there was something wrong. And the doctors were telling us that he was in late stage disease, like there was a fire going on in his brain and it was, it was pretty far along. And so I was just thrown into the caregiver role. Mm. Like, you know, they say you're thrown into the deep end. I felt like I was thrown into a tsunami (laughs) (laughs) and I had to figure it out. Wow. 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 And the time span here that we're talking about, it seems like it progressed very quickly. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, the mood changes were, he was, so he was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the beginning of 2017. And I started realizing that something was wrong in, you know, the early to mid 2016 was when I realized it was, you know, more than just mood changes. But those mood changes and that irritability had been for a few years. I mean, I can remember, and they kind of got progressively worse started with a little bit of irritability and then it progressively got worse. And, you know, I thought we were headed for divorce, which was just not who we were. We never fought. We never argued. We were both engineers and we used to just kind of rationalize things out. And all of a sudden we were fighting all the time. And, you know, when when somebody is depressed, the first thing that you don't you think of is not Alzheimer's disease. At least it wasn't for me. And that ended up being the answer. And it was it was devastating. It was like a big fat baseball bat, like right in the forehead. Wow, I cannot imagine. At what point in your journey of your husband falling ill, did you decide it was really time to trust your gut and keep searching for answers? I can't imagine, you know, trying to find the line of we're fighting and oh, wait, no, we have a problem. How did you know that something still wasn't right? Well, I think from the very beginning, the first time I heard the word Alzheimer's, my gut just was in knots. And I was like, no, that that's not right. I mean, he was older than I was, but he was still at the time, you know, 59, 60 years old. And, and I'm an engineer and I had worked at the time I was working in surgical robotics. So I was really familiar with complex systems, right? And there's always, when there's a failure, there's always a root cause. You just have to find it. And so I was like, okay, he's getting sick. There's a cause. I have to figure out what it is. And, you know, and so I had him tested and I started researching and I, went to the literature and I said, okay, you know, early onset Alzheimer's, does he have any genetic predispositions? No. Does he have any comorbidities? No. And so it just, it didn't make any sense. But we went to doctor after doctor after doctor and none of them were giving us any answers. I was having him tested for everything and all of his labs came back quote unquote normal. And we just, I felt like I was hitting a brick wall everywhere I went. And so after about a year of going to neurologists, I, you know, I felt like I gave up and I kind of accepted, okay, he has Alzheimer's disease. There's nothing I can do. And I think that's what most people feel when they go to the doctor because they don't offer a lot of hope. It's mm-hmm. like, nope, just come back in six months and we'll monitor your decline and we'll go from there. And um, it just, it ended up being by happenstance that, you know, you know, over a year after we started our journey, my brother called me and he said that, he was convinced that Russ had an infection Mm. and that was, he had come to that conclusion because my sister-in-law was also ill and she had been through years of medical journeys and her medical journey. And 
was eventually diagnosed with tick-borne illness, actually multiple tick-borne illnesses. And my brother's a doctor and he started researching and he's like, I think this is what also was going on with Russ. He was a hunter. He always did all the landscaping in our yard. He was always in the woods. I had pulled like tons of ticks off of him. And, you know, he had been tested very early on, but he tested negative. And I had to go to a, a newer lab that has better techniques. And that's when we figured out that that was actually the root cause. He had multiple tick-borne infections. And then as we explored even further, we also figured out that he had high levels of toxicity. So he had high elevated levels of both lead and mercury, both which cause cognitive decline. And oh. so the combination of those two things, you know, the infection, the toxins, that was what was causing, you know, the fire going on in his brain. And that was why it was so rapid because he just, he had so much going on that it was really declining quite quickly. Wow. Um, when I ask one more question before we go to break, it sounds like you are a wonderful advocate for your husband throughout this whole process and looking for answers. How did you learn to better advocate for not just your husband, but for yourself as well when doctors weren't giving you the answers that you needed and, and helping you know what's going on? What are some of the tips that you can share with our listeners before we go to break? I mean, I really do think you just have to be that advocate. You can't accept the first answer. Most doctors that you go to, they spend 15 minutes with you. And you know, chronic illness and dementia are there. It's like a, an onion, right? It's not the first layer. You have to dig into the to the inner layers to really figure out what's going on. And there can be multiple things at play. Like in Russ's condition, there were multiple things at play. And your lab work, even if it comes back quote unquote normal, it might they might not be running the right tests. They might not re be using the right um, boundaries for what those labs need to be. And so you just need to keep learning and digging and, and don't accept the answers when you know that your gut is telling you there's something wrong. That is the voice of Nicole Bell. We are talking about her caregiving story with her husband, and we're going to continue our conversation with Nicole and also with Vic Chandra, who's the CEO and founder of U-Method Health right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, go online to Transitions Life Care. Dot org transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. We have two guests with us on the line. We have Nicole Bell, who is an executive entrepreneur and also author of the book, What Lurks in the Woods. And we also have on the line with us Vic Chandra, who's the CEO and founder of U Method Health. And uh, we're hearing all about Nicole's caregiving story, which uh, Man, I'm glad we had a little break there so that I could uh, catch my breath a little bit because, man, it's just a, 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 it's a tough story, Nicole. Yeah, it was, it's been a tough journey, that is for sure. I think there, there are a lot of caregivers um, that listen to the show. Can you talk about some of the biggest challenges you faced on your journey as a caregiver? 
I mean, I think one of the biggest ones is that you really are just thrown into it. You're, you're not given any training, any support. You really just have to figure it out. And so I was trying to balance my career, being a mom of two young children, managing the house and taking over everything that Russ used to do, because he used to do a lot of it for me because he was, you know, retired and that was what he was doing. Um, and then on top of that, I have to take care of him and all of his medical mysteries and trying to figure out what's going on with him. And, you know, with, especially with something like dementia, the person that you're caring for is not themselves. And Russ was nasty. He was, he was rude. There were times when he was verbally abusive. And so you're just trying to stay afloat, right, in the tsunami, as I said. And then you have this other person who is just, saying these terrible things and acting erratically and yelling and it's just so overwhelming. So the psychological burden that you have to deal with can be really traumatizing. And I mean, I'm a pretty strong and stubborn person and it nearly broke me because I just, you can't cope with all of those things at once, you know, at the same time. And, and you don't have that support network in place. I didn't have any family in town. I didn't want to share with a lot of my friends because Russ was really, you know, felt a lot of shame associated with his cognitive decline and he didn't want to share and, and see, let people see that he was suffering and that he was losing everything he had worked so hard to build. And so it's just dealing with all of that at once is really just overwhelming. Yeah. You know, I, I, I chose that word tsunami very deliberately because that's what it felt like at many, many times. Wow. There's a lot of, um, uh, people that are in your shoes now uh, who are part of the sandwich generation who are taking care of their children, have a career, and are also a caregiver. Can you, in, in your book, you talk a little bit um, about some of the challenges you faced during your journey, trying to protect your children from the stress of this whole situation. Can you share with our listeners how you adapted as a mom to these stressors? That's a whole yeah. other role you're playing at the same time. And what are some of the things that you did for self-care as a mom and a caregiver? Yeah, I mean, I think with the kids, as much as I could, I tried to shelter them from a lot of the madness. Um, but it was hard. I mean, they were living in the middle of it. And I, I really just tried to be honest with them and talk to them about what was going on. And I remember a conversation with my son who was eight years old. And, and I asked him, you know, what he was feeling about what was going on with his dad. And he said, you know, well, there's two things that bothered me. And I was like, wow, okay, that's really specific. I didn't know you had that <laughs> nailed down. But, you know, one of them was he was really concerned that if something happened to me, that he would really be in trouble. And so we talked about that a little bit. And then the second thing he said is, is like, you know, I'm realizing that I'm smarter than my dad. And as an eight-year-old boy, I mean, it was really just difficult. I almost started crying right in front of him because it was just so hard. And so I think that having those conversations and really just being honest about, okay, this is who your dad is, and then this is what the disease is causing, and separating those two as much as you can so that they realize what's going on. But learning to control my own reactions was probably the biggest lesson, you know, not as a, as a person, you tend to either with your kids or with someone who's ill, you can ride the roller coaster with them. All of those mood changes, you know, so I had young kids with lots of mood changes. I had a dementia patient with lots of mood changes and I had to learn how to keep my own reactions in check. And so I started integrating 
meditation and breath work. And instead of having an instant reaction, I would just walk away. I would go, I remember smelling lavender. I had essential oils and I would go into my bathroom and just take five deep breaths of lavender and just try and calm down because it was so easy to go on that roller coaster ride, but it never led to anything productive. I had to be in control and I had to not let everything spiral downward. But that was a journey. And there were a lot of times I did ride that roller coaster and, and I had to figure out how to kind of maintain my own mental health in the midst of a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. If you could go back in time, pre-tsunami, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> uh, is there anything that you would do differently? Yeah, I mean, I think being that advocate and, you know, knowing that something's wrong, seeing, you know, one of the biggest things is seeing those mood changes and seeing a lot of that, you know, the depression, seeing those as symptoms rather than just something that you rationalize away. And then when you're going to the doctor, really understanding what you're testing for, because, you know, again, I heard many, many times, like your labs are quote unquote normal, but a lot of times the ranges that they use are, are really broad and not indicating things. And sometimes they're not checking for infections that can be a root cause of a lot of illness and, and cognitive decline or other chronic illnesses. And so I think when you know something is wrong, really Again, being that advocate and, and searching for those answers and, and not accepting that there's just random symptoms. It's not okay to have random aches and pains. It's not okay to have depression. These are things that could be symptoms that you really need to dig in and uncover. Wow. So you wrote a book about it all, What Lurks in the Woods. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and where people can find your book? Yeah, so it was it was really spawned from a lot of my journal entries and, and processing of it. And I, I just wanted to make something of our journey and help others, let them see the chaos and, and the details of everything that happened and share it so that they could understand and hopefully use it to make their story turn out differently. And it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble or other places you can get books. And I, I hope that it really helps other people have a better outcome than what we did. My husband just passed away in January, so his story did not end well. But I am very strong in my belief that if you catch the signs and symptoms early, then you can have a different outcome. Yeah, and is Amazon the best place to find the book, or do you have a website? I, yes, I do have a website. It's NicoleDanielleBell.com. But yeah, Amazon is usually where most people get their books these days, and we are uh, readily available there. Perfect. Again, it's What Lurks in the Woods. It's written by Nicole Bell, who we're speaking with right now. She's an executive entrepreneur and also the author of this book. Uh, and w- when we come back, we're going to spend some time talking with Vic Chandra, who's the CEO and founder of U Method Health, and he's been very patiently uh, waiting with us here. And we're going to do that in just a bit. Don't forget, you can find more information about Aging Matters at WPTF.com. If you want to catch up on old episodes, just click on the podcast button at WPTF.com. There you'll find Aging Matters, and there you can find our full archive of shows. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. 
If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guests on the line are Nicole Bell. She's an executive entrepreneur with uh, well, she's an executive entrepreneur, and she's also the <laughs> author of the book, What Lurks in the Woods. And we uh, have heard her story, her caregiving story. And we're also really excited to speak with Vic Chandra, who's the CEO and founder of U Method Health. And Mary, you know, June is uh, Alzheimer's month. And mm-hmm. this is something that, you know, of course, falls into our wheelhouse because it deals with caregiving. But, um, you know, the Alzheimer's and caregiving in general is just such a, a multifaceted thing that there, there's there's so much that we have to cover. Absolutely. And something that's close to me as well, my grandmother had Alzheimer's for seven years. She she fought it and um, and passed away uh, from, from this awful disease. And the Alzheimer's Association actually just published their 2022 report, and it's astonishing. Um, the total payments for care are estimated at $321 billion annually. And that doesn't include unpaid caregiving, which adds another $271 billion. And that those numbers are just crazy to me. I mean, it is really shocking. But the NIH only spent $3.2 billion on Alzheimer's research in 2021, and this just does not add up. Um, and I, I want to talk a little bit more with Vic and what he's doing at U-Method, which is such a great program, and, and what they're doing to help people in our community. So shifting a little bit from that caregiver perspective to one of science, Vic, what is U-Method, and how did you get started? Yeah, so, so U-Method Health is, first of all, a local North Carolina startup. Uh, we're an artificial intelligence company that applies medical knowledge, medical research, medical information to help doctors do a far better and more effective job at treating patients who are going through Alzheimer's disease, who are in the early stages of Alzheimer's disease, or those who have a family history of Alzheimer's disease and are uh, looking to take the necessary steps to reduce their risks of developing the disease. Mm. So we're a, we're a technology provider that is utilized by your doctors uh, to provide better care for your cognitive issues. Wow. So this is something that people can do even, you know, my, my brother and my mom have tested positive for the gene after my grandmother passed for it. They did um, some genetic testing and things like that to, to kind of get a heads up on it. So this is something that even they could do early on before they were having any sort of cognitive decline. Um, a- absolutely. And as you uh, wisely articulated, look, there is a uh, hereditary, there is a genetic link to the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, but the complexity of the disease is so much that there isn't any one cause of a disease. You know, as we heard from Nicole and Russ's experience, their cognitive decline was perhaps triggered by things like tick-borne, tick-borne illnesses and, and, and several other issues. Um, Nicole mentioned hormonal issues. And genetics is just one of the triggers, drivers, causes of Alzheimer's disease and cognitive decline. There are actually 60, more than 60 other drivers and causes of cognitive decline that really have to be identified as to which ones are active. And then they have to be addressed simultaneously so that there is 
some potential, some possibility for a patient to better manage their disease, to arrest, slow down their cognitive decline, and, and really lead a longer, healthier lifespan. Wow. And so, so the fact that you and your family are taking the steps to get some of this testing done early is brilliant, and I hope more people will follow your examples and go through the same process. And when we do have identification of an individual's genetic risk, we can actually work with their doctors to direct the necessary and appropriate care because people who have a genetic risk respond to different set of treatments differently than those who do not. Wow. Such a complex disease. And you know, with Alzheimer's and other dementias, you often hear caregivers struggling with symptom management and not having a treatment plan, which is something Nicole shared with us and the struggles um, that she also has shared in her book. Can you talk a little bit with our listeners about how artificial intelligence is being used in these early stages of cognitive to decline in Alzheimer's to develop these personalized treatment plans? Um, absolutely. So it's what we developed is a program that's administered by by physicians. Uh, so for individuals who may be going through the early stages of symptoms, and uh, just like Nicole mentioned multiple times, please do not ignore early symptoms. And these symptoms can take different forms, everything from uh, forgetfulness to irritability and becoming very confrontational and depression and so on. And and not all of these are in indications that you're actually having that you're in the early stages of cognitive decline. But if you are having these issues, it is it is not a good idea to um, bury them under the rug, uh, but instead actually go get tested and, and go looked at. So for individuals who are going through these type of issues, when they go to a doctor that uh, uh, has access to our program, uh, the the individuals will go through a significant amount of testing, um, perhaps the type of testing that that Nicole and Russ went through, um, but it took Nicole um, and and Russ several years of research and self study to get all of that testing done. Uh, with our program, uh, we enable the doc do the doctors to do all of that testing very very quickly up front. And then uh, within a week or so of that testing, provide a complete care plan that will have looked at more than 60 different causes of cognitive decline, along with specific instructions on how to then address each of those causes, whether it's with specific medications, whether it's with lifestyle changes, whether it's with uh, addressing nutritional gas, gaps or combinations of those things. The It's important for people to follow that if you're having cognitive issues, it isn't a lost cause. It is very possible in three out of four cases, it is possible to identify the underlying causes and then to be able to successfully address them so that you can continue to lead a normal, productive uh, and, and, and happy life. Um, so go get tested. Getting started early on is very important. Mm -hmm. So what kind of data is collected? Is it things that you're already getting tested for, like as Nicole mentioned, and you know, you're already going to the doctor for these kinds of things, blood work and looking at records and things like that. So you're collecting all of that and putting it into some sort of database in your software systems and, and looking at it um, and then help building a treatment plan off of that? Um, that that's, that's correct. So this 
artificial intelligence on the system that we've developed, um, and, and by the way, we've already used it on thousands upon thousands of patients and it's available here in North Carolina. Uh, it is designed to process everything from a patient's genetics to hundreds of blood tests, uh, to the medications they're taking, to their allergies, immunizations, other comorbidities they have. We'll even look at lifestyle, sleep, levels of exercise and diet. Um, and we'll do a very broad assessment to, again, identify the underlying causes and then go off and address those. Um, if, 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 if we have a, a minute or so, uh, I'd like to back up and share with, for, with people what may, what may actually be going on inside their minds as to what's actually causing their cognitive issues. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, let's get into that. Okay. So, you know, the medical industry has its, has its terms, and they define Alzheimer's, dementia, and, and mild cognitive impairment as neurodegenerative diseases. Mm-hmm. Right. Neurodegenerative diseases or, or neurodegeneration is a fancy word of saying, hey, your neurons in your brain, the, the, the cells in the brain that do all the processing and memory and, and all the thinking, that they're getting weaker and that they're dying. So neurodegeneration is really a fancy way of saying, well, your brain cells are dying. Mm. And as people, we understand that neurodegeneration or brain cell death, there are, there are many causes of it, everything from toxicity to infection to the fact that you're torturing your brain cells by not sleeping enough or that you have a, have a poor diet trauma uh, like strokes. Um, and so, so there are numerous of these causes that can result in neurodegeneration or brain cell death. When people understand that, then they also understand that, hey, there are things you can do to slow down or reduce the neurodegeneration. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there are steps that can be taken to keep the brain cells that you do have left to help them function better, to strengthen them. And that's at a most simplest level, what we help doctors successfully do with the individual patients. Uh, we have to also recognize that this process of neurodegeneration starts long before the symptoms arrive. Mm-hmm. So our brain's very, very adaptive. And neurodegeneration can be taking place. And by the time the symptoms arrive, the neurodegeneration has taken place to so, such an extent that the brain is no longer able to mask it. It's no longer able to adapt to the neurodegeneration. So it becomes very important that if you're at risk of the disease, such as if you have it in your family, to, to start and understand which neurodegenerative processes are active in your body well before the symptoms arrive. And at the same time, when you do begin to have symptoms, you don't want to bury them, you don't want to ignore them act on them as quickly as possible because there is a real opportunity to address and change the direction of the disease. Yeah, in so many aspects of our health, it it really pays to be proactive. That is the voice of Vic Chandra. He is the CEO and founder of U-Method Health. We're also speaking with Nicole Bell, author of What Lurks in the Woods, and we're going to continue our conversation with them right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Thanks so much for joining us today. Don't forget you can learn more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas representing Transitions Life Care. We've had two wonderful guests with us throughout the program and those guests are Vic Chandra. He's the CEO and founder of U Method Health as well as Nicole Bell who's an executive entrepreneur and also author of what lurks in the woods and uh, Nicole we just learned a lot about what you method does and some preventative measures and some early steps that we can take to uh, make sure that we can be prepared as best we can for uh, neurodegeneration mm-hmm. I I want to bounce around a little bit here now and Nicole come back to you for a minute and Vic will come back to you in a second as well but Nicole you didn't have access to you store you or um, the the U method technologies or tools when you were caring for your husband how do you think this could have helped you in your journey well I mean I think the first doctor that we went to if we had had this you know testing done it would have shown one of the things they look at is your immune health right? And so it would have shown that a lot of his immune markers were off and indicating that he had an infection. And that would have caused us to trigger, you know, more testing to look at what could be causing and what that infection was. Because I think a lot of times when you go to the to the doctor, they do your standard set of labs, but they don't, they're not looking for particular infections because you would just have to run a whole host of things. But once you know that your immune system is off, then you can start digging. And that would have put us on a path and a journey that would have led us to get, you know, to the root cause a lot sooner. And then as part of that, we would have also understood all the other markers that were off, like he had hormonal imbalances and other things that were triggered by his immune system response that we could have started working on right away. And, you know, as I said, Russ was already late stage disease. So, you know, who knows if it would have led to him becoming healthy and happy at the end of the day, but I know that our journey would have been a lot different. And I know that um, if we had done that even before when we were first seeing some of the mood changes, then he would definitely still be with us today. And I feel like it would also maybe give people hope a little bit of, you know, I'm feeling it as we're talking about all of this and thinking about my journey with my grandmother and feeling helpless and and hopeless. And and I I feel like these tools also give caregivers a kind of a little more of an answer and and something that they can put in place that helps them feel like they have a little more control over this this awful disease. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, I think once you hear that word Alzheimer's, you feel like there's no hope. And I think that that's not the case. There are causes out there and there are things that you can do to reverse and to, you know, fend off that decline. So Vic, I want to come back to you for just a second. And looking at the clinical results and and the patients that you've been working with and and the physicians that you've also been working with, how has this made an impact so far for the individuals um, that are, are taking part in your programs? Um, so in so we've, we've done thousands of patients at this point in time, and our artificial intelligence is based on a very significant body of research and medical science that's available out there that's been done over, over a large 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 amount of time. 
what we see and what other studies have shown is that about three out of four patients have very reversible causes of their memory issues, of their cognitive decline. And so about 75% of the patients who go through the program can see a significant improvement or halting of their cognitive decline. And in many cases, uh, continue to continue to experience that improved cognitive function for years. Now, we have to understand that the cognitive decline didn't show, didn't happen one day suddenly. It took 10, 15 years for it to develop into the, and get to the point where they were symptomatic. And similarly, this isn't a pill. There isn't a solution that will fix everything in five days or 10 days. It is a process. So the individuals have to go through the testing, get their care plans, follow their care plans, and continue to do so for an extended period of time to provide the best hope of uh, allowing the brains to function as normally as possible. Great. So who is the right candidate for these programs? Is it too early? Is it ever too early to get started? And and how do you get started? And um, it, Obviously, if you're in your teens, you probably don't need to get on a program like this, although even within the teenage years, and in particular, if you have the genetics for it, you do want to avoid concussions and, and brain trauma. Uh, people with the genetics uh, and a family history of it are far more susceptible to long-term effects of, of concussions. Uh, but typically, when you're in your 40s and 50s, and we, re- we realize that is a challenging time for, for people because They've got parents they're caring for and children they're caring for. But 40s and 50s is is the right time to take the preventative efforts. Now, for people who are a bit more advanced in their age, who may be 65, 70 years of age, uh, even if they're not feeling symptoms, it's, it's well worthwhile to go through the testing to understand uh, whether any of these underlying issues actually address, exist and if those should be addressed. And what we find is that in most cases, uh, the healthcare insurance covers all of the necessary testing and the care plans. So individuals can actually go through the process without significant out-of-pocket expense. Vic, I want to go back to the the proactive piece. Uh, you know, we, we talked about, you know, some of the trouble signs to look out for and, yeah, I, I get a little bit concerned about those because, you know, we're, we're just coming out of the pandemic. And I, I think a lot of uh, what we can ascribe to, you know, to mood changes and depression and things like that, you know, maybe we, we just say, oh, you know, I was in isolation for so long, you know, that that might be why I'm feeling this way. C- can you go over again, just some, some warning signs that may want to trigger us to look more into the testing? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it in, a, in, in the following manner. Mm-hmm. If you cannot remember what you have forgotten, you may have an issue. Let me let me talk about what that means. I heard this from one of the absolute leaders within the Alzheimer's space. This happens with me. I'll go see a movie and two days later I'm talking to somebody about it and I can see the face of the leading actor, but for whatever reason the name isn't popping in, in, in into my brain. Now, if you remember that name an hour later, two hours later, Within two days, without looking it up on Google, you're okay. 
we all have what we call senior moments and not all of those are to be concerned about. But if you cannot remember the name, in other words, you have actually forgotten what you forgot. You have something to be concerned about and you really should at that point in time go and take the steps. So don't be concerned about every single senior moment, but if you have these unusual senior moments where you've really forgotten things, it's time to act. Wonderful. And if folks want to learn more about U Method, is the best place your website? It looks like umethod.com, U, the letter U. Uh, that's correct. And they can also send us an email at info, I-N-F-O, info at umethod.com. Uh, we can connect them to doctors within their areas, within their local area where they can access our program. Wonderful. And if you're interested in picking up Nicole's book, you can learn more at her website, NicoleDanielleBell.com, or you can just Google What Lurks in the Woods, and you'll find plenty of information about her book there. Vic Chandra, CEO and founder of U-Method Health, Nicole Bell, executive entrepreneur. Thank you both so much for your time today. You know, we really appreciate you being so generous and spending a whole program with us here and, and for sharing your, uh, your stories and your knowledge as well. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Well, it's, it's certainly been our pleasure. And if you missed any part of our interview today, you can go online to WPTF.com. Be sure to click on the podcast button there. You can find Aging Matters and the full archive of episodes there, including this one, if you just missed it. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong. We're out of time for today, but we thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll do it again next weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.